I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. This morning we're looking at verse 17, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, And if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there. It's page 141 in the Pew Bible, page 141 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, you're welcome to take that Pew Bible with you. That's our gift to you. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 17, page 141 in the Pew Bible. Now, I've, I've... talked about this before i've quoted this just not too long ago but the declaration of independence uh, in the declaration of independence it it observes uh, three fundamental rights that every human being has we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness notice the first right is the right to life it is the right to life every human being has the right to life right the right to life is inherent it is something that we we deserve something that that is inherent to us because of our creator what he has endowed to us it is inherent to us because it is part of of human dignity right human dignity the basis of human dignity or the 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 first principle of human dignity is the right to life now we're studying the ten commandments of course and uh, today we're looking at the sixth commandment now, we've already looked at the first four, and you know, you, let me remind you that the commandments are broken in two halves. The first half has to deal with our relationship with God, and the second half has to deal with our relation to others, to one another. And so, as we've gone through the commandments, the first four commandments, commandment one through four, deal with our relationship to God. And as we've gone through those, we've noted that uh, those deal with, first of all, God's authority. Second, God's dignity. Third, our commitment to God. And then fourth, God's rights and privileges. Now, as we look at the second half of the Ten Commandments, as they deal with our relationship to one another, we see the first half reflected in the second half. And so last week, we considered human authority. Honor thy father and thy mother. That is, honor governing authorities that God has appointed over us. Now, this week, we consider human dignity, or we begin to consider human dignity. And what we're going to see here is that human dignity is bound up in the next three commandments. It's bound up in in commandments 6, 7, and 8. The sixth commandment, focuses on human dignity in relationship to the right to life the right to life we should treat everyone with respect and dignity that is a biblical principle regardless of 
of race, regardless of age, regardless of gender, regardless of their sinful condition, we should treat every human being with respect and dignity. We may disagree with them about many things. Nevertheless, as human beings, we should treat them with respect and dignity. And the first step in respecting human dignity is this. Respect human dignity by guarding life. Respect human dignity by guarding life. And that is the principle behind this sixth commandment. Respect human dignity by guarding human life. And so as we think about this commandment, the sixth commandment, I want us to see three aspects of the sixth commandment as we look at it now i know this is a very short verse but we're still going to stand in reverence to the reading of god's holy word if you found your place there please stand with me in reverence to the reading of god's holy word deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 17 you shall not murder you shall not murder let's go to the lord in prayer Heavenly Father, Lord, as we consider your word, as we consider these Ten Commandments, Lord, and how they apply to us, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. We pray, Lord, that you would apply it to our lives, that you would show us how to apply it to our lives so that we would live in glory and honor to your name as we uphold the Ten Commandments, as they apply to us, today in our time and in our place and in our our covenant with you in the new covenant lord teach us and give us hearts willing lord willing to obey you can teach us how to apply it but lord if you don't give us a heart willing to obey we'll never obey it not fully so lord give us hearts willing to obey these things i pray in christ's name amen and you may be seated Well, now, as we consider this this sixth commandment this morning, the first aspect that I want us to see here is the commandment's foundation. The commandment's foundation. We need to understand the commandment's foundation. And we've talked about this before, but we're going to come back to it again. We're going to discuss it again. The commandment's foundation. As we think about the commandment's foundation, we have to go back to creation. We have to go back to creation because this commandment and the the next two following it are founded in creation. You go back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, the creation narrative. And there in verse 26 and 27 of Genesis chapter 1, what do we find? Then God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so God created all of mankind in his image and likeness. You represent God in this world. 
Because you're made in the image and likeness of God, you represent God in this world. Human beings have been tasked with the the task of, of governing the world, looking over the livestock, looking over the fields, looking over this world, stewarding it in God's stead. We represent God. We are His image bearers on this earth. By the way, that's another reason why we're not to to make an image of God um, of some other living creature, right? Because we are God's image bearers on this earth. Now, we don't worship ourselves, but we are God's image bearers. And because we bear the image of God... Every human being deserves to be, res- be treated with respect and dignity. We are to treat one another in respect, with respect and dignity because we are image bearers. If we disrespect one another, if we disrespect one another, if we treat someone uh, with, with, without dignity, right? If we treat someone in a lowly way, then it's just like we're treating God in that way. It's just like we're treating God disrespectfully. And so Scripture tells us we're to treat one another with respect and dignity because we are created in the image and likeness of God. We are His image bearers. Now, yes, of course, sin distorted that a bit, didn't it? Of course it did. But nevertheless, we still bear His image. Distorted as it may be, we still bear His image. So, let's consider this. Back to creation, but back to the image of God. Go, let's flip over here just a few chapters to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. After the fall, after the flood, we still see that mankind bears the image of God. And here, God really grounds this commandment, this commandment that He would give in the future, right? In Genesis chapter 9, Deuteronomy uh, 5 hasn't happened yet. But, But He is grounding this very principle in the image of God. In the image of God. In the fact that we bear the image of God. Here we come. Noah has has experienced the flood. All of creation has died off except for those that were in the ark. And now as they come out of the ark, God establishes a new covenant with all of mankind. And this is part of it. Genesis chapter 9, starting up in verse 5. And for your lifeblood, for humankind's lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it. And from man, for, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For, because, God made man in his own image. God made man in his own image image you see god grounds grounds this death penalty right the first death penalty the first uh cause for the death penalty to come into play is for this idea of murder for taking the life 
of another man uselessly. And it's all grounded in man bearing the image of God. We bear the image of God. Therefore, to take human life is to destroy the image of God. To destroy human life is to destroy the the likeness of God, the image of God in this world. And therefore, why shall you not murder? You shall not murder because humans bear the image of God. You shall not kill another person uselessly because a human being bears the image of God. And to destroy a human life is to destroy the very image of God Himself. Every human being is worthy of respect and dignity because every human being is created in the image of God. And respecting human dignity begins the very first step in respecting human dignity is guarding human life that's the very basic principle of treating one another with respect and dignity is to guard one another's lives to guard human life so this commandment is founded in the image of god in humankind that's the foundation. Second, we need to see the commandments prohibition. The commandments prohibition. As we look at that, thou shalt not murder. What does it mean to murder? What does that word murder mean? Now, we need to understand that murder does not include every kind of killing. Murder does not include every kind of killing. So, what is not included in murder? Well, one we just read about there, capital punishment. Right? Capital punishment. If a man kills another man, if a man murders another man, by the hand of man shall his life be taken. So God established capital punishment. He established the, the government, right? The state he gives them that authority to carry out capital punishment as we go through Deuteronomy, as we read through the law in our daily readings. We, we see a number of cases where God ordains capital punishment. He approves of capital punishment. It is ordained by God. So the state has the right to administer capital punishment for the most heinous crimes. Now, in America, the only crime that we see capital punishment applied to, of course, is murder, right? Murder, first-degree murder. So God establishes capital punishment in those cases. So that capital punishment is not prohibited under this commandment. Second, just war is not prohibited under this commandment. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 10, recognizes this, right? Recognizes that at times in this fallen world, there will, war is necessary. War is necessary. It's not, it's not something that we should desire. It's not something we should go looking for. But sometimes it is necessary. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 10 says, When you draw near to a city to fight against it, offer terms of peace to it. Offer terms of peace to it. But then it goes on and tells us that if terms of peace 
cannot be met, then war is justified in order to bring about peace. All right, so uh, if there's a nation that's coming up against another nation, if there's a nation coming up against us, our nation, then the first step is diplomacy. Try to work out terms of peace. That's what the Scripture tells us to do. We should desire peace. We should go for peace. But if peace cannot be established, then government has the authority to declare war and to go to war with another nation, another state in order to bring about peace. And so just war is not prohibited under this commandment to not commit murder. A a third, self-defense. Self-defense is not prohibited under this commandment. Exodus chapter 22, verse 2, if a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. There shall be no blood guilt for him. So if someone breaks into your house and threatens your life, you have the right to defend your life. You have the right to defend your life. You're not just to to sit there and allow them to kill you. You have the right to defend yourself, to take life if they are threatening yours. So self-defense is not prohibited under this commandment. And fourth, accidental deaths. Accidents happen, right? Accidental deaths happen. And when accidental deaths happen, God provides in the Old Testament the cities of refuge for the one who committed the accidental death, who was responsible for the accidental death. They could go there and plead their case. And so accidental deaths, accidents happen from time to time. We, we don't like the, that to happen. And certainly no one wants to be a, a, the cause of someone else's death but accidents in this world do happen and the person who who causes an accidental death cannot be held responsible or should not be held responsible for that death so accidental death is not obviously not prohibited under this commandment what is then prohibited under this commandment what's prohibited under thou shalt not murder what is included here well first of all and obviously intentional homicide right intentional homicide that's what we normally think of when we think of murder murder in the first degree intentional homicide someone intends to kill someone someone intends to take a life purposefully takes a life exodus chapter 21 verse 14 but if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning he shall take you shall take him from my altar that he may die, right? An intentional homicide is reason for the death penalty. It is reason number one for the death penalty. If someone intentionally takes a life, their, their life is not threatened, but they, they mean to do harm to a person just because that person has made them angry or whatever, then that is intentional homicide, and intentional homicide, of course, is prohibited under the commandment thou shalt not murder second negligent homicide negligent homicide is also included under this commandment negligent homicide so you knowingly put someone at risk 
you knowingly do something or allow something to take place, allow something in your atmosphere to be there that could cause someone to die, that is negligent homicide. Exodus chapter 21, verse 29. But if the ox has been accustomed to gore, so if you have an ox who's accustomed to goring people, right? He has a bad attitude and he's just a mean ox and he, he tends to attack people and try to gore people. If he has that accustomed, in the, accustomed to a gore in the past and its owner has been warned but has not kept it in and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned and its owner also shall be put to death right the owner also in the old testament that was another uh, another uh, uh, a time for capital punishment so in other words let's put it in our context i know some of us may some of you may have cows but but all of us are, are very familiar with with dogs right we don't let our cows and our horses and such free reign anymore but we do have dogs and if you live out in the country your dog's not not necessarily pinned up but if you have a dog that is accustomed to attacking someone right you know that dog has an attitude you know that dog is has a mean streak you know that dog has acted like he would attack people in the past but you do nothing about it you do nothing to restrain that dog. You, you don't put it on a leash. You don't put it in a pen. You just allow it to roam free, and it goes out, and it kills someone. That is negligent homicide. You knew what that dog was prone to do, and you allowed him to go out anyway. Well, we see this uh, quite often, uh, even around here. I mean, I've been out uh, running in the past and i quit running out there around the golf course because there, there became a, a lot of dogs there's a pack of dogs that roam around out there now and uh man i, I thought i was going to get eaten up one one morning out running because of this these pack of dogs out there uh, and their owners are negligent right they're they're negligent they're allowing their dogs to roam this populated neighborhood knowing that they're prone to attack they're negligent. We, when we know something has a possibility of hurting another human being, we need to take care of it. We need to do whatever we need to do to take care of it because human life is precious. And we should take effort to guard it at, at every circumstance. We should take that effort to guard human life. Human life is valuable. Human life is created in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, human life is valuable life, and we should always take st steps to protect human life. So how do we take steps to protect human life? We've considered the commandment's foundation and prohibition. Now let's consider the, the, the commandment's application, its application to us today. In our, our time frame, in our century, under the new covenant, under Jesus Christ. How do we apply this commandment? Now, the obvious is we don't go out and commit murder, right? 
That's obvious, so I'm not even going to put that on the board. That's just obvious. We, we don't go out with intention to kill someone, intention to hurting someone and taking their life. But, but how do we apply it otherwise? Because this isn't just to the criminal out there who's out to, to hurt somebody. This applies to us Christians sitting in the church with no intention to go out and kill someone. How do we apply this commandment to our lives in our culture number one advocate for life we must we must we must advocate for human life that means we speak out against abortion right we are pro-life and proud of it we need to speak out against abortion there's no reason for abortion abortion should be abolished completely now, I am thankful for the steps that have been taken, and, and we need to take all of those opportunities to, to limit abortion as much as we can. But man, we don't need to stop there, right? We don't need to just stop at limiting abortion. We need to see abortion abolished, completely abolished, because abortion takes human life. It takes human life. It destroys human life. And where does life begin? At conception. At conception. So the day after pill that takes human life that has just been conceived is abortion. It is taking human life. It is destroying the image of God. We need to fight pro-abortion advocates we need to fight for human life. And so we proudly stand as pro-life. We want to see abortion abolished completely from our nation. But not only speak out against abortion, but we also need to work to prevent suicide. Suicide is a big issue in our culture. It is a big issue in our culture. In fact, it's one of the, the leading causes of death in America. Suicide among teenagers is the second leading cause of death. Accidental death is the first cause in, in, among young adults. From I think, I think the, the age was from 15 to 24, 25, somewhere in, along in there that I, I saw this week as I was researching all of this. But it's the second leading cause of death among that age group, among our teens, our young adults. We need to speak out, right? Because that is self-murder. Suicide is self-murder, and it is prohibited under this commandment, thou shalt not murder. That means you shall not murder yourself because you are the image of God. Man, we need to educate our kids. We need to educate our children. We need to go into our schools, and we need to show them that suicide is not the answer, right? Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem and a lot of people are applying that permanent solution to so many temporary problems we need to educate our teens right that that bullying it's not going to last 
Whatever you're facing in life, that's not going to last. You've got your whole life to live before you. Suicide is not the answer. We need to educate our teens. We need to educate our young adults. We need to to work to to end bullying as best we can. It's never going to end in this fallen world. You know, we need to face that fact. Bullying has always been around. It's still around, and it's going to be around until Christ returns. But can we reduce it? Can we take steps to reduce it? Can we educate our kids? Man, we need to take every opportunity to turn this thing, right? And to decrease the amount of suicides in our world. We need to work to prevent suicides. But That also means we need to fight legalized suicide as well. We need to fight legalized suicide because that's the thing now, right? We've moved on from abortion to now trying to legalize suicide, make doctor-assisted suicide legal. And I mean, they show you all of those things, they tell you all those stories, show you all those pictures, and and they they try to to get you to have compassion with, well, this person, they're just suffering so much with this illness and that illness, and and man, death would be better for them, so why not allow doctor-assisted suicide? That is murder. You don't have the right to take a human life. I don't have the right to take a human life. Doctors don't have the right to take a human life. Only God has the right to take human life. He is creator, sustainer, and ender of life. He is the one who is sovereign over life and death. Not us. It's not our right. Only God has that right. Suicide, whether doctor-assisted or not, is self-murder. And how foolish is it of us to go into our schools and tell our teens, hey man, suicide is bad, but then you go to the hospital and say suicide is good to those who are dying. How foolish is that? How hypocritical is that? But yet that's exactly what we see in our culture, in our society self-assisted suicide right doctor assisted suicide is not the answer it's not the answer now now of course we we understand that we don't have to take means to prolong life if, if a person is suffering and involved in cancer or whatever kind of disease they may have and they're suffering it doesn't mean we have to prolong their life it doesn't mean they have to take those life extending measures i mean they can can clearly say do not resuscitate right and and we do not resuscitate because that's allowing god's progress of things to happen but to willingly take life that's murder that's murder i don't care how compassionate you think you may be i don't care how compassionate those doctors think they're being that is murder that's not their right that's god's so we must work against and and fight to prevent even doctor assisted suicide legalized suicide this whole right to die the right to die. But not only that, as an advocate for life, we must fight against euthanasia. And, and this just works right from uh, uh, 
that doctor-assisted suicide, the right to die into euthanasia. We should fight against euthanasia because here's the thing. Inevitably, and it's proven, inevitably the right to die evolves into the duty to die. The right to die evolves in a duty to die, a duty to commit suicide when you're no longer productive, when you're no longer providing and putting into society, uh, well, your life is over, you have a duty to end your life so that other people can benefit from you being gone. You think that's not the case? <laughs> Would you argue against that? Would anybody argue against that? I know no one here is going to argue against that. But, but just think about this. I want to, I want to show you this because it, it is happening. This is already happening. Today, assisted suicide is legalized in 10 states here in the United States. California, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Hawaii, Montana, Maine, New Jersey, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington State. You can go to those states and, and commit suicide, and it's all right. In 2008, 2008, that's a while back now, in 2008, ABC News reported that the government ran... Did you hear that? The government ran Oregon Health Plan would not pay for 64-year-old Barbara Wagner's $4,000 a month cancer medication. Wouldn't pay for that. But they would pay $50 for drugs and a doctor-assisted suicide. The right to die has become the duty to die. In 2016, the New York Post reported that California resident Stephanie Packers, uh, her insurance, Stephanie Packers' insurance provider, refused to provide a chemotherapy drug that might have extended her life. A young mother with Young kids, they wouldn't pay for the, the treatment that would extend her life, give her more time with her children, but they did agree to pay for a drug that would end her life. No, it's much cheaper to end your life than to extend your life, so an insurance company says, we'll, we'll just go for the latter. That's more cost-efficient. When death is cheaper than life, which do you think insurance companies and the government will choose? The right to die will inevitably become the duty to die. And of course, that's only the beginning in a 2017 article in the National Catholic Register, Michael Orsi reported in the Netherlands, which has long been an assisted suicide trailblazer, 
There's a, a broad acceptance of death for the mentally incapacitated. Increasingly, dementia patients, dementia patients are being euthanized. A recent report tells of an old woman who tried to fight off a doctor advancing on her with a needle while being held down by her family. The right to die will ultimately become the duty to die. People are all up and let's, oh, let's, let's get doctor-assisted suicide. It's the right thing to do. The right to die will become the duty to die. We need to fight for life. We need to fight to preserve life and give people the opportunity to live so we must advocate for life. Second, we must actively prevent accidental death. We must act actively, proactively prevent, we must be proactive in preventing accidental death. That means we, we have to control our environment, right? We have to take safety measures within our environment, to make sure that life is protected in our environment, in our space of control. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 8. We'll get there eventually, but, but let's just look there real quickly. When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof, that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house. Anyone shall fall from it. Now, a parapet was a safety rail. So in the Old Testament houses, in these ancient houses, they were you know, a structure with a flat roof. And the flat roof was a place to go hang out in the evenings, right? They would go up there. It was another living space. And so they would go up to the roof of their house, especially in the evenings, and hang out there because they would get a nice breeze going. And it was a cool place to hang out. So that, that's, that was their hangout spot. That was kind of the, the living room uh, parts of the time of the year. And so this instruction to build a safety rail around the roof of their houses was to prevent people from, as they're hanging out, accidentally falling off the roof. Now, we don't have that. And so putting a safety rail on our house, unless we, we do hang out on, the, on our roof, you know, that, that's not going to be helpful for us. But how do we apply that? We look around our house. We, we look what, what safety issues are here. Is there anything in my house that, that is a, a place of concern, right? That's why we put uh, coverings over our electrical outlets so nobody will stick their finger in there and get electrocuted. We want to make sure that no, no sockets are shorted out or anything like that. We need to take care around our environment. We need to put up dangerous animals. We need to guard life with every opportunity. We need to put safety measures into place. Whether here at the church or at our homes, we need to Work to pro, be proactive in preventing accidental death, controlling our environment, but also controlling our emotions. Controlling our emotions because our emotions can sometimes get the best of us. 
We need to control our emotions. That is to, to descale, all right, or de-escalate, excuse me, de-escalate volatile situations. We should be speakers of peace and not feed the fuel to the fire when arguments arise. Matthew chapter 5, 21 through 22, Jesus tells us this, right? This is for us to, to hear. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, you idiot, you moron. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. You see, Jesus recognizes and he is interpreting this law. He's bringing it to its fullest measure here for us. You see, it's not just the act of murder that is a sin. It's the emotions that lead to murder that are the sin right it's the seed of the murder that is sinful that is just as sinful as the act itself and so jesus says we need to control our emotions we need to rein back our emotions when we see anger arising in our hearts we need to quench it we need to do things to quench that fire and bring it back descale the escalation right de-escalate our emotions and bring them back down we need to be pursuers of peace not pursuers of conflict and so we we work at proactively preventing accidental death by controlling our emotions so take steps to guard life. Take steps to guard human life, proactively preventing accidental death and advocating for life in our culture. Oh, friend, respecting human dignity begins by guarding human life. We need to respect human dignity, every person's dignity, by working to guard human life. Speaking out for life. Advocating for life. Doing things to prevent death. Doing things to guard life. Now of course, when we take what Jesus said into consideration, we all realize and we have all most likely failed to keep this commandment in its fullest. Let me just read that again. You've heard that it was said of, of, to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, you idiot, you moron, you fill in the blank, will be liable to the hell of fire. I wonder, have you ever been angry with someone? 
Have you ever lost your temper? You're liable to God's judgment. You're liable for this commandment. Have you ever insulted someone out of anger? You're liable to God's holy judicial counsel. Have you ever called someone a fool, an idiot, a moron? You're liable to the hell of fire. We're all guilty. We're all guilty of breaking this commandment because through our anger our insults we have murdered people in our own hearts the root of murder is unrighteous anger but the good news the good news for us is that Jesus paid the penalty for your unrighteous anger he paid the penalty for your unrighteous anger and for my unrighteous anger so that we might be forgiven before God he received God's judgment for your anger in your place so that you could receive the joys of heaven with him rather than the torments of hell if you realize today that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that you have been angry with someone in your heart, you have murdered someone in your heart, if you realize that today, realize your guilt before God, there's hope. If you believe in Jesus, and trust in his name. God will forgive you. And instead of giving you judgment. And eternal death. He will give you eternal life. Trust in Jesus Christ today. Oh heavenly father. Oh Lord how we thank you for your word. How you instruct us oh Lord. And Father, thank you that through your word, not just in this commandment, but throughout your word, Lord, you have opened up this commandment to us. You have shown us the fullness of it. And Lord, we just confess today that we have failed many times and in many ways in our lives. We failed because we had the emotions that could have led to murder had it not been for your preventive grace. So Father, we pray your forgiveness. And as your people, Lord, we pray that you would equip us with the ability as the Holy Spirit indwells us, Lord. May the Holy Spirit empower us to keep this commandment to be advocates for life, to, to take steps and measures to prevent death when it is in our power to prevent it. 
And Lord, if there's any today who feel the, the guilt of this sin upon their lives, by the power of your Holy Spirit, turn their eyes to Jesus. Let them rest in Jesus. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.